0: Hello, welcome to HVAC Tech Tips Podcast, presented to you by CE. My name is Jack Kaufman. I'm a Customer Assurance Manager here with CE. Disclaimer, all information in the HVAC Tech Tips Podcast is intended for licensed HVAC professionals. All electrical, mechanical, and plumbing work should be performed by licensed trade professionals only. This podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Hello, welcome to HVAC Tech Tips Podcast. Today we have part two with the ductless series with Brooke Woodson, and we'll be talking about installation, and over to you, Brooks.
1: Thanks, Jack. So in our first series of this ductless podcast, we touched on how to size the ductless unit properly uh, using AC's Manual J. If you have a ducted-style mini-split, then you'll still want to use the ACA Manual D and the Manual J. Uh, the D will help you with uh, sizing the ductwork ductless units can achieve industry-leading efficiencies, misapplied or poorly installed to the LEM specs, and you won't meet those efficiencies. So let's talk about some common ductless installation do's and don'ts. So always follow the National Electric Code when sizing your wire. You will uh, need to look into your jobs local codes too because they could enforce more requirements or safeties than what the National Electric Code or your international mechanical code uh, requires use the exact communication wire required by your manufacturer. If you don't do that, you risk having communication issues. Maybe not on startup, but later down the road, you may have it, and it'll just save you some problems. Keep your ductless lines capped and dehydrated. So, you know, any type, any time that you're reusing line set, uh, just store store uh, unused ductless line set with nitrogen, we want to keep it dry, moisture free. When running the piping or your line sets prevent sags in your piping, the sags will collect oil which prevents uh, the oil from returning back to the compressor. The piping outside should pitch back towards the compressor for proper oil migration during the off cycle. When flaring, use a proper refrigeration flaring tool, preferably one with a depth gauge on it. Use methods when, uh, let's see, <clears throat> when you flare you want to use good uh, you, you want to just use good practices cut the cut the pipe square you want to deburr the pipe but deburr the pipe upside down so you're not getting the shavings down into the pipe Once the uh, once your burrs come off use refrigeration oil on the threads and the bell of the flare use a torque wrench back wrenching the other flare nut to the manufacturer's torque specs doing those Procedures will help eliminate most issues with flaring leaks. Put the torch down. You do not want to use a torch at all costs. The strainers and small capillary tubes in the ductless units are more vulnerable for clogging. So that's why manufacturers mainly want you to flare. Copper oxide is commonly commonly referred to as a carbon killer in our field. If ductless units were approved to be brazed. The manufacturers would specify that in the installation instructions. Now granted, if you have a refrigerant repair, like a compressor or a major refrigerant component, for the most part, you're going to have to bra- you know, braise it to fix it. So when you do that, please make sure you're purging with nitrogen. Use good practices. On the, on the ductless line sets, you do not want to use sight glasses or filter dryers or liquid line solenoids. There's nothing that goes on those line sets. Pressure test the system with dry nitrogen and check for leaks with soap bubbles, preferably. You should pressure uh, test between roughly 4 to 600 PSI on 410 systems. It's best to let the system under pressure and record the pressure before and after your test. Uh, you know, do your decay test and, you know, do a before and after. It's good practice to label your refrigerant lines and wiring for multi-zone outdoor units. This will help with prevent cross piping and wires at the outdoor unit. Most manufacturers will require a 5 16th hose connection, connection, so you may uh, need to get a quarter by 5 adapter. Um, so you might wanna make sure that's in your tool bag. Once the leak test is passed, uh, you should do a triple evacuation on the system. Pulling too quick of a vacuum can form ice inside the lines. So, sweeping with dry nitrogen will help force the moisture out of the system. It's recommended to have your micron gauge put it on the system and not the vacuum pump. And this is so you're testing, you're getting the, the true micron or, or va- vacuum reading of the system. <clears throat> At the pump, it's actually less accurate being installed there. And also use a nice isolation valve too, so you can do your decay test with your micron gauge. When running line sets or wiring, make sure you seal all your penetrations inside and outside the holes. Um, you can get water intrusion or air intrusion, actually. An interior line set hole not not sealed can also cause overshooting in temperature um, because of a lot of high wall units The return air sensor is close to where the wall penetration is and that draft can make the system potentially overshoot or undershoot. So. Want to make sure this? You're just you know sealing all all penetrations. Avoid installing your indoor units near a heat source and direct sunlight. That added heat source can cause unwanted operation. Um, might make the system in the winter time not call as frequently, or in the summertime it might make it call too much and might freeze your customer out of the space. With the outside unit and inside unit, make sure you read the the clearances of the system. You know. Getting proper clearances goes back to making sure the system runs efficiently. So we have the adequate serviceability space, but also enough space that we can, you know, absorb and um, reject heat efficiently out of this equipment. For the outside units, make sure you use pump-ups or standoffs uh, so you're above your anticipated snow level and also for uh, defrosting too. Uh, you know a lot of units will come with base pan heaters to help try to thaw out that ice at the bottom of the units, uh, but once that ice melts, we want it to drain through the bottom of that unit then we don 't want it to just refreeze inside the unit so um, handheld remotes should be kept within line of sight of the indoor units display uh, so they can communicate to each other. Each manufacturer will specify different uh, distance that you don't want to exceed. From having your remote away from that indoor unit so make sure you take a note uh, to that. Refrigerant lines are to be sized based on the indoor unit connection sizes so when you size them um, and you just you know whatever your indoor connections are for most manufacturers uh, you're gonna size it by the, the inside line sizes. You may need to adapt down to your outdoor unit service valves in case they're a different size. Insulation on the line sets needs to be at least half inch Close cell insulation and UV resistant. And the reason that both lines get insulated is because the metering device is actually in the outdoor unit in almost all ductless systems. So both lines will sweat in the summertime. So both of them need to be insulated. Drains should be at least a quarter inch per foot of uh, a slope. Um, you want to avoid, especially with the corrugated piping, avoid any type of bellies or, uh, in, or flexing in that pipe. Uh, those bellies can actually cause an airlock in the drain, so you want to make sure you have a nice pitch, uh, downward hill pitch, at least a quarter inch per foot. Now, sometimes a mechanical pump might need to be added just in case, like, say you're doing a high wall and it's on an interior wall. Um, and you have no drain in that wall, sometimes you have to use like a condensate pump. Same practices go with those, that vinyl tubing. Uh, You know, Read the specs of that pump, but once you get it to where you can actually pitch it back downhill to wherever your termination is. So you can still kind of use gravity as your friend for draining that water. So with installing that condensate pump though, just make sure you read your manufacturer instructions and, and how to break um, you know, different manufacturers will want you to break um, either a communication wire or maybe a main power wire. Uh, and I, I think there's some that would actually even have you break thermistors um, in case there's a water backup. So just read, just read the instructions carefully and um, that hopefully will save you some headache out there. So when it comes to figuring out what your charge is for the system, you know in the installation instructions it will say okay this unit is good for x amount of feet um, before you have to add refrigerant so what's helpful especially on the service side if you're a service tech coming back out on a job that has a has a leak write down inside the outdoor unit the system's total charge that goes a long way um, that saves a lot of time too in case there is a leak it just saves a lot of Guesswork and measuring, especially if you're running the line sets from brand new, it really really goes a long way. So write down inside the outdoor unit's panel what your total uh, charge was, and, and maybe the line set length. Most ductless manufacturers have a max line length with no additional charge. If the line length is over that rating, then usually there's a refrigerant ounce per foot multiplier given. Uh, duckless units. They do have other line requirements such as like a minimum and maximum line length per circuit, maximum height difference allowed between the indoor and outdoor unit, and the max height difference between two indoor units. So there, are, there is a bunch of measurements that they can't take into account for. Um, so just you want to make sure you, you read the instructions or your, or your uh, manufacturer uh, specs or product data or equipment data. Um, jack i believe i touched uh most of the key components of a proper ductless installation at least tip tip wise uh what other tips would you like to share with the listener
0: yeah i think you've you've hit on every uh everything there for a proper installation i would like to add a few points um you know guys you need to make sure you're reading your instruction manuals uh, before you put the equipment in fully read the manuals make sure your equipment is matched You know, even if you got to make a phone call to somebody to check, make sure you have the proper match before you put it in. Make sure you're using the right wiring for your communications and the, you know, between the the indoor and outdoor units. Um, I have some tips on the flares. I mean, Brooks was right on with everything he told you about the flares. Make sure you're using the proper flaring tools. Make sure you're using a torque wrench. You want to torque the, you know, torque it down to the the specs in the manual. Um, Always use a deburring tool. Um, When you're using that deburring tool, hold the line downwards so you're not getting any of those metal flakes or, you know, pieces of copper in the line because it could clog the strainer in the unit and cause a restriction. You just need to be really critical and, you know, get it right the first time. If you follow these steps, you're most likely going to have a problem for your installation. installation. Um, another thing is you may want to, well, I shouldn't say you may want to, you should actually take some vacuum pump oil or nylog and actually put it on the, the outer diameter of your flare on the outside of the flare um, between the the flare and the the flare nut um, so it can spin freely when you're tightening tightening it down or torquing it down if you don't do that sometimes it'll it'll grab and it'll start twisting your uh, your line so that's a good practice even with the nylog if you use the proper nylog because you can get it for different refrigerant oils you could actually you know actually coat that on the inside of the flare as well just a very tiny bit You don't want to get it, you know, a lot on there where it's scooped up and, you know, getting into your system. But, you know, these are just things that are going to help you for a problem-free installation. And hopefully you never have to, you know, you know, I guess a callback or where you got to go back with multiple problems. I mean, the ductless equipment, it's great equipment, but some guys, when they run into problems, they're just struggling with it because, you know, the way we communicate and it operates a little bit differently than your conventional system. So, you have anything else, Brooks?
1: No, I think we touched on just basic uh, pretty good, um, you know, do's and don'ts and, I mean, decent tips with the installation process, uh, things to consider, um, you know, with uh, with doing this over the air, I, th- I think we touched on uh, a decent amount of topics here, so, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, One one other thing I was thinking of, guys, is you could actually, you know, look at the flare seals. Um, that's a product you can get out there. It's it's kind of I believe it's like a sort of like a Teflon or rubbery seal that does have like a metal insert that you actually put on the flare um, between your your flare connection and the unit's valve. Um, where I've you know heard pe- many people say once if they use those they don't have leaks. Um, that seems to work very well. And then there's also a lot of different kinds of fittings out there, which would be you know quick connect uh, refrigerant line fittings, which you know, are almost similar to like a shark bite fitting. So th- there's a lot of different options and things to try um, that would, you know, prevent issues from down the road and actually make your installation easier. So, but I think we've touched on everything. Um, like to say, thank you for listening. Um, if anybody would like to contact us, we can be reached at at CarrierEnterprise.com, And I uh, look forward to uh, part three of the series. Thank you. Thank you, Brooks. Yep. Thank you, Jack. Have a good day.